I'm going to be speaking to independent researcher, Yang Yamkela F. Spengane. And we're going to be talking about the whole story surrounding our economy, specifically with regards to the whole issue of the recession. What does it mean that we are now in a technical recession? What does it mean... Uh, what does a technical recession actually mean versus, I suppose, a full-blown recession? And, and, and how is that recession going to manifest itself in your life and in my life? I'm looking forward to this discussion and I hope that you'll be part of it. And uh, perhaps you can uh, give us some of your insights as to how should we be understanding this current economic climate. We've been told that Moody's has now downgraded the top five banks in this country. So it appears to me that I suppose uh, with regards to the big institutions of the world that have a say on how our economy is to be viewed, we are not in a good space. But what does that mean for you and I? And I'm looking forward to this conversation with Yamkela Spengan. He's an independent researcher. And of course, uh, we'll be continuing our conversation in the second hour about all other things that you might want to talk about. SMS 702 on 31702. Well, joining me on the line is Yamkela F. Spenga, an independent researcher, and he joins me on the line. Yamkela, thank you very much, sir, for joining us at this time. Much appreciated. Uh, good evening, Obi, and good evening to the listeners at home. Yes, sir. Let, let, let's start off. Uh, you know, <laughs> Uh, perhaps uh, economics 101 for the idiot at uh, 702 at 17 minutes past 11. What are we talking about when we're talking about a, 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 a technical recession uh, versus, I suppose, a full-blown recession? What does that mean? Uh, well, uh, the difference is, is, is very simple. That uh, A technical recession uh, defined globally uh, is that... Uh, Two consecutive quarters have a decline in the GDP of the country, meaning the the, the, the gross domestic product uh, of the country. So, if uh, uh, the last quarter of 2016 and the first quarter of 2017 uh, both were declining the GDP and the growth of the economy, because uh, uh, the GDP we use as one of the indicators of economic growth. Yeah. Now, South Africa has has for the last uh, fis- two fiscal years has an average. Uh, GDP of about 4.1 trillion rand. Uh, that means uh, in our gross domestic domestic product for the last two quarters, uh, we have had a decline. In, in the last quarter of 2016, we had a 0.2% decline in the GDP. In the first quarter of uh, 2017, we had a 0.7% decline in the GDP. And now combining those two uh, declining indicators, uh, we have what we call a technical recession. So, if I understand you correctly, Yamkela, uh, and sorry for for jumping in there, but what you're saying to me is that what we are experiencing is a contraction of our economy rather than an expansion of the economy. Uh, And I'm saying this given the fact that uh, the population grows bigger, the needs of the population in terms of amenities, in terms of of resources, uh, housing, uh, in terms of uh, uh, health, in terms of schooling, all of those things that people need are growing. But you're saying to me that the, the economy is contracting even in the face of a growing population and the needs of that population. Basically, that's what uh, a recession then becomes because now uh, if you are 
you are experiencing shrinkage by 0.2%. It might not be a lot, yeah. but uh, uh, in the bigger scheme of things, because there's a demand uh, for, for, for all these things, for the growth, for fluidity in the economy, uh, so that we may be able to have more expenditure that is taken out to the public, we may be able to create more jobs, uh, hence more people can depend on the income that is bought by a growing Cross domestic product of a country. Yeah. Uh, things like human development index are also affected, and therefore it, it, it becomes detrimental to the citizens, especially those that depend on salaries, wages, uh, and, and are dependent uh, of those who earn wages and salaries because we as a country have uh, the highest uh, unemployment rate on the continent and uh, even on the, in the world generally. Uh, so that growth is negative. Now, a technical recession, uh, when we come out and say we are uh, in a technical recession because that shrinkage of the economy or, or the cross domestic product of our country has, has been happening okay. for two consecutive quarters. Sure. Yamgela, I, I, I want you to hold that thought because I've got some breaking news coming. Uh, Yamgela F. Spengane is my guest. We're talking about the recession, but we have some breaking news. Eyewitness News. Breaking news. It's breaking news. Public Enterprises Minister Lynn Brown has announced the resignation of ESCOM Chairperson Ben Gubani. Gubani has been in the firing line since a former public protector Tuluma Donsela State of Capture report was released. Recently, Gubani dismissed allegations by former Mineral Resources Minister Wago Ramatlodi that he attempted to force Ramatlodi to suspend the mining licenses of coal supplier Glencore. We'll have more on this breaking news story and more at the top of the hour. You're with 702. You're with 702. Your number one news and talk station. Well, hey, what about that, hey? What? <laughs> uh, Public Enterprises Minister Lynn Brown has announced the resignation of Eskom Chairperson Ben Baldwin Ngubani. And Gubani has been in the firing line since former public protector Tulima Tonsela's state of capture report was released. I don't know. Are, are you getting the sense that there is a general falling of the house of cards yet? Audi going, Ben going. Just a few weeks ago, a few days ago, we had uh, Brian Malefe going. What, what, uh, let's talk about that later. Maybe Yamkela has something to say about that. Uh, Yamkela, I'm sorry uh, to drag you into these issues, but you've just heard breaking news uh, that uh, Public em- Enterprises Minister Lynn Brown has announced the resignation of Eskom Chairperson Ben Baldwin Gubani. Uh, and I suppose uh, a lot of people would say that this was inevitable given all of the issues that we've been hearing about at uh, Eskom. Has this perhaps got anything to do with the recession or has it perhaps um, contributed to the recession that you and I are talking about now? Well, we cannot we cannot deny the fact that uh, everything that has happened in the political space uh, has uh, contributed to what you now call uh, economic decline or, or decline of the growth in our in our GDP because uh, the, the 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 argument and the and the turmoil that is. Uh, clouded our political space uh, at which at the center of it all has been the ESCOM contract has uh, affected adversely uh, investment into our country as uh, the downgrade it is a downgrading has come from from, from a few of the rating agencies uh, so we we cannot now 
divorced from, from, from everything that is happening. But I always have maintained that we need to use a very objective eye when we look into the ESCOM issue because the ESCOM issue uh, and how it has been reported as has come from a very biased angle that has refused to, 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 to be holistic about what has been happening from es- in, inside ESCOM and with ESCOM uh, for a, a very long time uh, and how we have ended to where we are now. Uh, and you know, once we can analyze that, then we, we realize that behind the politics, there's a long-standing battle and a long-standing history of, of the, 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 the specific enterprise and uh, its importance in, in, and the role that it played in the economy. Because you will hear a lot uh, when we're speaking about uh, ESCOM that the, the, there's a linkage to independent power producers. Now, independent power producers come in, in that they, t- they effectively take the role that uh, ESCOM as a state-owned entity responsible for the energy generation of the country is supposed to be uh, taking a loan. That means uh, they, 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 they break into the business of ESCOM and supply power privately to the citizens and become the backbone of energy producers. Now, that in its own, in, in a country like ours, can be quite problematic and killing ESCOM off as a power uh, utility of our country that is state-owned in favor of independent power producers. Uh, it cannot be a solution that we are looking at because we say that ESCOM is corrupt without trying to find measures of, of fixing or going and analyzing what went wrong for ESCOM to be where it is and how can we fix it without necessarily compromising our country having its own uh, independent and state-owned power producer. So you are saying to me, I mean, if we can just digress a little bit from the issue of the recession, just to talk a little bit about the um, ESCOM situation. You're saying to me that in the back side or, or uh, against the background of what we are seeing in the reportage that we've been hearing about ESCOM, there is another story that is brewing. And that is this unreported story of the contestation of who really is the supplier of power in this country. That the narrative of ESCOM being the monopoly power utility in this country is not true. Is that what you're saying to me, Yamkela? I'm not saying... Uh, I- I'm saying that the state should be responsible for the supply of power. Uh, Immediately when you take away something that is uh, we, we we have seen the repercussions of, of of escom not being able to function properly we have seen that uh, energy is the backbone of of any economy without energy uh when we've had low shedding we've seen how businesses how life in general is detrimentally affected uh from uh, your routine uh to how you have to plan your day to how businesses have to uh, plan themselves around load shedding uh schedules that are out there it, it's devastating to them Now, uh, when you are going to take that function that is supposed to be uh, government-related, like healthcare, it's as primary as healthcare, because I'm an advocate that we should all have state healthcare, we should all have state education, because there cannot be too tired uh, supply of necessities like healthcare, like energy, like education, from uh, private uh, suppliers and state suppliers, because now it creates a a line between better and and lacking, uh, and it creates... It's a, a, a notion that if you can pay more, you can get better. Now, where it is concerned is that ESCOM, 
as a, as a utility that is supplying power should be retained. And immediately when you bring in independent producers, they should be supplementary, not competitive. Uh, but now the notion that ESCOM is a monopoly simply means that people want to create a competitive or competitive utilities that will seek to outcompete ESCOM in producing power. And therein lies a very deep conflict because how are these utilities then going to be taking care of the downtrodden masses of our people that cannot afford electricity as it is? Because now it becomes a profit-driven uh, uh, thing to supply energy and not necessarily a requirement or a service delivery to, 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 to deliver energy to the people as is mandated by government as, as something that you would want to see as a basic human right. So, if I understand you correctly, Yamkel, you're saying to me that the crisis at, at Eskom, uh, what some people could call the leadership crisis at Eskom that saw the resignation and then the uh, rehiring of Brian Malefe at uh, Eskom, the issue of Brian Malefe becoming a member of parliament for a couple of months and then coming back under uh, interesting, dodgy, spurious circumstances is as a result of this back, uh, I don't know, what would we call it, uh, the back, uh, uh, back office fight that is taking place that is about trying to privatize um, Eskom. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Uh, in, in, in the in the short and long of it, yes, because uh, you must go back to the history of of what ESCOM has been. Uh, ESCOM, uh, for the last uh, 40, 50 years of its existence, uh, has been supplied by a small cartel of of of, of a group of companies uh, that have been uh, supplying 80 plus percent of the coal to ESCOM, uh, that have been determining the prices of how they charge coal, that have been uh, locked in clauses that they created back in 1975, in 1980, 1985, and still paying at those rates currently. It means we are still, as tax players, uh, paying rates that were decided for before democracy had dawned on us uh, because of certain contracts that are now these people uh, as they are have controlled how the power power utility functions uh, in its own because now they own uh, the, 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 the mines that supply the coal to ESCOM. And the first dispute comes when this was being tried, the first time we had low shedding was around 2007, 2008. And that dispute was around Glencore, which was uh, one of the major producers, having higher demand of coal from China and getting a better price or better offer for coal from China and selling it to China and leaving us stunned. And then that was resolved. Now you remember that in, 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 in 2013, Glencore actually took over Extrata. And when Glencore took over Extrata, uh, the people that... Uh, that, that actually opposed that merger on the basis that it would basically create a monopoly in the in the coal supply industry to ESCOM. Were ESCOM in the competition commission? Uh, they went to the competition commission and presented that uh, it cannot be that Glencore will hold so much stake uh, alone and because it will virtually create them a monopoly in the supply of electricity. Uh, that is when ESCOM went and, and opposed this, as, as I've already stated. But the COMCOM uh, actually granted the, the, that whole 
buy out of Extrata by Glencore, effectively making Glencore the biggest family-owned company in the world. And around then, it was the 10th biggest company in the global Fortune 500. But uh, uh, the flaw on the Comcom is the, is the problem that they denied a similar sale in 2006. If you remember properly, uh, Engine, uh, which is the biggest uh, distributor of fuel in the country, uh, was supposed to merge with Sasso, which is the biggest producer of fuel in the country. The Competition Commission denied that merger on the grounds that it would create a monopoly in the fuel industry. But and, and a similar case, and an almost identical case in the form of Extrata and Lenko, was actually denied because certain political entities were standing to benefit from that merger on their alignment with Lenko. Right. And so, you, will re- yeah, go ahead. you will remember that soon after 2013, we had the load-sharing saga in 2014. Now, to correct this, to correct this, uh, ESCOM went underhanded. They tried to fight, in, but they did not fight in public. They did not come and declare their issues in public. Hence, the, the whole prepayment fathers, the whole... Because uh, even when we analyze, when we analyze that whole prepayment of $2 billion and whatnot, no one has brought Tlenko to the table and said, okay, there's a deal between Tegeta and, Op- um, and Optimum Co. and Tlenko. But now Tegeta has received a prepayment uh, from ESCOM in order to buy this money. But how did Glenco become involved in this transaction? And what were the demands from Glenco? And what was the reason for Glenco to be fined this amount of money by ESCOM to begin with? No one has actually brought Glenco into the conversation to balance out the scale because it's as if this uh, mine that Tegeta bought fell from the sky without a particular buyer because I've not heard... In one headline, Glenco being brought uh, to, the, to, 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 to the answering table to say, Ivan Lassenberg, answer for us, what were the conditions around the sale of this mine? And what was actually going on from your point of view? Because here you are, the mine that you sold to Tegeta is implicated in the state capture. Uh, give us more light as to what was going on. Yamkela F. Spengan, independent researcher, weighing in on the breaking news of um, Mr. Ben Gubane, the former, now former chairperson of uh, Eskom, and uh, suggesting that uh, the reportage, the discussion around Eskom has not been balanced. There is, uh, There are issues that uh, perhaps weren't brought to the fore. Form. I mean, to the fore, for example, the whole issue of um, Glencore. How come nobody has asked questions about their involvement in the process of uh, Tegeta getting a prepayment for what was what would then become the sale of uh, of uh, Glencore uh, um, to 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 Tegeta, I'm 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 fascinated by what you're saying to me, Yamgela. But uh, I want to take a quick call from Sati, and then we're going to take a break. But would love to take your calls on 011-883-0702 uh, in a discussion that seems to have taken a slight. Uh, a slight detour, and we'll segue back into the whole issue of the recession because I don't think that those issues are completely unrelated. But uh, interesting um, observations and uh, comments from Yamkela F. Spengan. Let's take a call from Shati in Santon. Hi, Shati. Hi, how are, how are you? Very man? well, thank you, man. Man, sorry, man, about that other day. You know, it was once after two years. But anyway, my friend, I think this energy thing, the IPPs, um, 
there, there's there's a couple of things on the table IPPs, here. IPPs, please, please bring us into the understanding. What does IPP mean? Independent power producers. Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, let's not defend what has been going on at ESCOM. Those guys are on their own because clearly now there's things coming up. But I think really, if we don't get the media and, and, and other platforms to argue this, we are going to give the next generation a road deal. The people with these independent power producers, my friend, they come here, they make money, and they take the money overseas. All this story about someone contesting for the power generation space in the name of uh, independent power producers, especially the renewable energy, the calculations show that they sell the power to ESCOM, for instance, at five, as an example, at five rand per kilowatt. And ESCOM must sell it for, for something like uh, $2.50, as an example. So you buy something expensive and you sell it for cheap. And we, the public, must fund that difference. The calculations are there. So I, I don't know what else can we do, because it was the ESCOM people that needed to educate the public that this thing is enforced on us because it tends to benefit a few people. But the way things are going, we don't work there, so we don't have the mandate to defend this. We also have to look after our own families. The other one that I want to talk about, to add to what Yamgela was saying about the Glencoe thing, you have a power station in, in Standardton called Tutuga. It's supplied by a mine called the New Denmark. It's exactly, exactly a replica of what the executive of Eskim did for Tegeta. But for some odd reason, we get pumped about how ESCOM was wrong to give advance and help together to buy them. And I'm not defending the Guptas, but I'm just saying that these two things are similar. But this mine is owned by Anglo-American. When this particular one is owned by the Guptas, it becomes a problem. All we are asking is just put everything on the table. Don't be selective. Just put everything on the table. We will show that, you know what, these people who are supplying coal to the ESCOM, They've been benefiting and, and, and benefiting alone. That is, that is all I wanted to say, that, you know what, somebody needs to give us a platform because the pe people at ESCOM have decided not to do this. I like the gentleman because he's well-vested about this topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lati in Santon, thanks very much for your call. Much appreciated. Yamgela F. Spengani, independent researcher, giving us uh, his take on what has happened at uh, Eskom. And, uh, of course, uh, this on the back of the breaking news that we've just received that um, uh, the Eskom chairperson, Mr. Ben Gubani, has been, oh, not, not fired, I nearly said fired, has resigned. And this is uh, what we've been uh, informed by the Minister of Public Enterprises, Minister Lynn Brown. We were talking about the recession. <laughs> But I suppose it is still relevant. I think that a utility as large as Eskom is a very big part of the economic conversation in this country. And that includes the issue of the technical recession that we find ourselves in. I'm looking forward to your calls. O double one eight eight three O seven O two. When we come back, we take more of your calls. It's 18 minutes to midnight. My guest is Yamkela Spengani. He's an independent researcher. And uh, we were talking, and I suppose uh, are still talking about the recession. It was announced last week that we are now in a technical recession in this country. Uh, and I was asking, what does that mean from your point of view, from my point of view as citizens? But, uh, of course, as we were having that conversation, uh, breaking news 
um, was delivered uh, to tell us that Public Enterprises Minister Lynn Brown has announced the resignation of Eskom Chairperson Ben Gubani. Uh, and as I was speaking to Yam Kela and asking him to weigh in on that uh, breaking news, he suggests that uh, the story of Eskom as it has been told largely by media reports and so forth has not been entirely uh, entirely truthful. Uh, uh, that there are certain questions that have not been asked. For example, why is it that uh, the company that uh, sold to Tegeta um, was never brought into the conversation as to what its role was uh, in the uh, process of uh, finding the money, the two billion rands that was paid as prepayment for coal and all sorts of things, the kinds of contracts that have been in existence for coal suppliers to Eskom, the issue of um, uh, of independent uh, power producers and their relationship to uh, to Eskom. And I'd like to take your calls as far as that is concerned. And I'm saying that perhaps this is not so far removed from the whole conversation of recession in that an organization like Eskom, its leadership, the conversation that has been taking place over the last while about the leadership there and the problems that have been ha- happen- uh, happening there is contributory to the stability or the instability of our economy. So I think that it is quite relevant in that sense. But I would love to take your calls as I speak to Yamkela Spengan. Yamkela, just uh, perhaps, uh, you know, by way of just explaining to those of us who aren't as clued up as about this issue as possible, you spoke about the fact that in its dealings with this matter, Eskim did not do certain things in public. I don't understand what you mean by that. Uh, what I am saying is that ESCOM should have come out and, and uh, they should have stated their problems uh, in, in a transparent fashion. To say, this is their problem they are facing. This is why we have load shedding. Uh, this is why we've had load shedding. And this is the monster that they are fighting. Because uh, uh, first and foremost, ESCOM is a public corporation uh, that is financed by the taxes of the people. Uh, it exists primarily for the people uh, as, as one of uh, uh, the companies that are state-owned enterprises. All of them belong to the government, and de facto the government being uh, belonging to the people uh, means that ESCOM is accountable to the people. Now, ESCOM should have come out in public, and uh, 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 Kaya Stolle, a friend of mine, wrote that the problem here was that uh, Brian Molefe and Co. had uh, an Icarus complex. Uh, they, 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 they attempted to have this fight by themselves, and it ended up uh, being an egg on their faces because uh, with themselves alone, they could not have won this. Uh, they needed to have uh, public opinion uh, on their side by coming out and saying, okay, this is the problem. We are dealing with... Uh, 30, 40-year-old contracts, that means that we are paying, for instance, there was one contract uh, that Lenko, I think it's Lenko or BHP Billiton had at, at Arnold's Corsillary. Uh, now, this contract was charging uh, 1,015 rand uh, per ton of coal that was delivered. Uh, it was, uh, it was from 1975, and it ended in December 2015. Now, the nominal standard rate of charging per ton of coal is around 550 to 600 rand. Now, this contract was forcing ESCOM to pay at double that rate because it was calculated as per the signing 
when it happened in 1975. Now, we as South African citizens know nothing about what happened in 1975. What were the conditions then between the apartheid regime and uh, these companies that are supplying uh, the bulk majority of the, the, the coal to ESCOM? Because here we are, we have four or five companies supplying 80%, and we have the rest of the 27 companies that the, the minister actually released in public. Say, these are the companies, among them Shanduka Coal, among them uh, African Rainbow Mineral Coal, which is uh, part of uh, Petit Mozipa's table, and, and many other people who actually supply coal to ESCOM. Uh, and in that finding, you find that these specific people by the name of Tegeta uh, supply something that is well under 5% of the coal itself. Here's a question uh, for you, Yamkel. I hear you. I, I suppose I, I hear the, 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 the reasoning behind your assertion that, um, that uh, there was an Icarus complex, as, uh, as was explained by your friend in his article. The question is, is it possible? that those who were fighting this good fight uh, and did not come out into the public and were as transparent as you are suggesting were doing it because they were benefiting somehow? Is that, is that not a possibility? It's very possible. Yes, it's very possible. Because now, if you do not come out uh, and, and and you do these things and then you claim that you are doing them to protect us. Now, uh, my first question is that if you were really doing that, mm. uh, were you not... Uh, were you not really hiding something in the hope that you would not be discovered? Uh, and were you not, if you, in the case that you were discovered, was this not your orchestrated excuse to, to, to get yourself out of the firing line? Uh, these things do arise to say, uh, actually, if you were really, this was really your intention, uh, the, then you should have come out to the fore to begin with because uh, honesty and transparency are the, are the underlying values and, 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 and core values of democracy in any democratic... Is that community. therefore not what the leadership of ESCOM is suffering for? I'm talking about the so-called resignation of Ben Gubani at this point. Uh, some people would say that that is the reason why he is resigning or perhaps has been encouraged to resign um, and maybe a, a, a better euphemism for being fired in this instance, uh, that it was because of that reason that uh, there are certain things that were happening in the midst of the dynamics that you've explained to us this evening that point to skullduggery. Well, those, those reasons might well be existing and I, I won't I won't say they do not exist. They might well be existing and then uh, the the probability that they do exist is very high. Now I am saying that the remedy the remedy is to not fire people and continue with the status quo. Mm. The remedy is to actually open the whole can of can of worms and, and investigate a broader and a wider spectrum of what has been going on. Because I hear you. Need I, I need to take. I need to take a break. Break, Yamkela uh, F. Spengani. I do want to conclude, Yamkela, at some point, 
with how does all of this fit into the conversation about the recession? It's really been uh, fascinating to hear your your take on the things that have been taking place at Eskom. Really has. I do want to bring it, however, as we close this hour uh, to the discussion about the recession uh, and uh, what all of this means for uh, those of us who are perhaps uh, just uh, wackers. Yamgela uh, F. Spengan is my guest. He's an independent researcher. Let's take a break. When we come back, uh, we'll take more of your calls. SMS 702 on 31702. Yamkela uh, Spengane is my guest. And uh, Yamkela Siamtanda or Mr. Scotta on Twitter says, I must please ask you uh, to Pengan, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My apologies. Let's let's round this conversation off. Uh, very interesting, and thank you very much for for your insights into what is happening at Eskom, and of course uh, against the background of the breaking news that we've just received that uh, Mr. Ben Gubani has now resigned as chairperson of Eskom. The recession. We heard about it last week, and uh, a lot of pe- people threw their hands up in the air and said we are in trouble. Uh, we've just been downgraded by a number of uh, rating agencies into junk status. Our banks have now also been junk. I mean, downgraded by um, Moody's. Um, what does this mean for us, Yamgela? What What should we be understanding, and how should we be reacting to all of this news? Well, we we have we have two views of what recession is actually about. We have mainstream academic view of what recession is. Uh, what uh, you'd normally find your economists, your analysts speaking about. Yeah. Now, this is uh, your, your, your rating agencies all based in the U.S. downgrading you. Uh, it, it's a well-oiled machine of the Bretton Woods system. They will downgrade you because they don't have uh, confidence uh, in, your, in your government because of certain things, say political turmoil, which uh, uh, in our case is that like, there, there's no... There's no agreement or there's no seeing eye to eye between the current political incumbency uh, and, the, and the capital uh, class of, of, of the country. Now, this disagreement uh, on certain issues has led them to a withholding of investment and withholding of certain things that uh, actually stimulate economic growth. Now, this economic growth uh, not being stimulated means that you are involving the citizens to then uh, protest to the government uh, because uh, they expect things like social grants from the government. They expect things like like a a service delivery from the government. Now, if the government, because of being downgraded and therefore not being able to receive foreign investment and therefore not being able to collect as much revenue as it usually collects because of the decline in GDP, is is, is now... uh, unable to deliver as it usually in in, in 30 so. seconds Yamkela, sorry my brother is there light at the end of the tunnel which is not a train coming yes because uh actually there's a projected growth uh over the next two uh three quarters towards the end of the year that means this current quarter and the next quarter or if the third and fourth quarter actually show economic growth will be technically out of recession Yamkela f spengan Thank you very much, sir, for your contribution. Much appreciated. Thank you very much. Yamkela is an independent researcher.